0: This is Women Who Build Empires, a podcast celebrating women entrepreneurs and thought leaders who are turning the tables on outdated old school belief systems and building business empires that align with who they are, how they work, and how they are leaving a lasting legacy. And I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner, serial entrepreneur, investor, and business consultant for ambitious women entrepreneurs who are boldly taking their business to the next level. In each episode, you're gonna get to know the women who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of how both success and failure have helped them become incredible CEOs. Hey Empresses, on today's show, we have part two of my interview with Gwen Nolan. She is the founder of Mother Compost. In part one, we talked about how she turned her idea into a business and why that was important, sustainability, climate change, etc. And in this episode, we are really diving into her business as more than just the business. It's really about being a logistics company. And then also what it was like for her as she has grown extremely rapidly in bringing on uh, her team members and being the leader not just the employee with everybody else when it is awesome to have you back on the podcast i had to have you back so soon because our conversation was just so epic about sustainability composting making a change in the world and there's so much more for us to dive into in and really the growth and the expansion of your business. So first of all, welcome back again. Um, I'm so happy to be back. Yeah. Can't wait. And I'm sure we'll get a little soapboxy again at some point. And if that's not your jam, if you're listening, buckle up. (laughs) And, And I'm saying that too, because I know that there's a lot of great value in what we're going to talk about, so let's let's just dive in with what has running a business been like for you?
1: Wow, I mean, it's been an odyssey, to be honest. It's it's part like getting your MBA on the fly. You know, I was actually talking to another uh, woman entrepreneur about the personal work that you really need to do to effectively run. A small business and probably any business successfully to to really lead, you have to be brutally honest with yourself about where your decisions are coming from, and it still may be the call you're going to make. But recognizing when your ego shows up and uh, when your fear comes in, and the different things that we all feel and how they can impact decisions, and making sure they're not running the show. I think is something that's maybe not spoken about as enough in the entrepreneurial journey. And everyone's like, it's so hard. And and it is, and it's great, right? Or else you no, know, the hard is what makes it great. But I, I think the the most challenging part that was a surprise to me was the amount of work I've had to do on myself in order to effectively lead and grow. Mm-hmm. not only the business, but but who I am as a person and who I'm becoming.
0: Yeah. Would you mind sharing like what are one or two things that you've had to shift or grow, expand, nurture to be able to be a better leader?
1: Yeah. So actually, I also work with a business coach, Gari, who is she's a composter. And, and during COVID, she had reached out. She was doing some online things and wanted to have a talk and you know, it's funny why the hell those people come into your life at those moments. And I was like, well, tell me about Wildbrook coaching and what you do. And at the time it was a a really small team. There was three of us. We had, we were bringing one, one other person on to help drive support. And what I realized about myself was that I process things by talking. A lot of times I need to just say the things for me to come to a conclusion. I can also write, I don't know if I was lazy or just really busy, but I was processing things audibly during meetings. And sometimes I was looking for feedback from the team, but other times I was more telling myself the thing and coming to a conclusion, which wasn't really fair on, on my teammates because they were being, being given it like entree into the conversation, but I wasn't really open to their feedback at that moment. I was more just trying to sort things out in myself. hmm I believe in in consensus building, but there's also times where you just got to go. So my coach, I, when she was talking about what she does, I was like, I actually really do need someone to help me distill all of these thoughts, and and also I have a tendency to leave everything in my head and and let it spin around, and I kind of enjoy the fact that nothing's concrete because all of the the paths are still available. But there's a point where you got to put pen to paper. Or, or write things down and really start to chart it. So she kind of holds me accountable to making sure I'm not holding it all in my head because that can be overwhelming.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: sometimes she's a sounding board when I'm working through a decision. But that was something I realized early on that I was doing that wasn't really fair to the team and wasn't good for where we were going. It was kind of holding me back from, from being the leader that I wanted to be for the company at that time.
0: Mm-hmm. I think one of the hardest things is regardless of whether you have a team or not, there's aspects where it's, you're very alone in your thoughts and having somebody outside of you to talk through is what everybody I think needs, whether it's a coach, a mentor, a best friend, spouse, whoever that person is. And to put your team in that place, yeah, it does a disservice for you, for them, the relationship, because they're getting like all these ideas which they can then take and run with and you really don't want them to either at that moment
1: exactly so it's, it's creating a problem where there, one doesn't exist because yeah. of just the way I'm working through the ideas in my head and I everyone at home couldn't see me nodding as anyone was talking but yeah like having a coach has been so helpful I can't like state that enough for solo entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and I know it's an expense and I know how hard it is to add something for yourself in that way but I do think it's incredibly important because a mentor you you cannot always contact your mentor when you're really working through something you can't always don't want to unload your spouse they're probably already carrying some burden just keeping you going or possibly financially right so having someone who's like a business, like your therapist for the business, essentially, who is who you're paying to help you navigate these things, invaluable. So I, I highly recommend anyone who's kind of like flirting with the idea of getting a coach. And and by the way, date a lot. You know, make sure you find someone who you really connect with. You don't have to, you know, the first coach you come across. You know, see what works for you. But that's been a huge help to me and helping me grow and. And just sometimes reflecting back what's what's going on and what's not. And it, it's been very helpful also that she is a composter too. So she also experiences our business from that side. Right. So she can say like, oh, th- I got that communication and that was really good. That You know, I liked that. Or she, you know, so she can kind of see the full perspective uh, of what we're doing.
0: Right, right. How has that changed like your relationship with your team members and how are you developing them currently?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it just, again, it was bringing awareness to something that I I didn't see immediately. So I I think it's given me a place to go where I'm not burdening my team members too much, especially when we were really small and there was only two people and I wanted to fall apart. Those two people didn't need to see me fall apart at that time. And I knew they could have, They could have dealt with it and they still can. But, you know, I I think there's part of leading is also showing up as much as possible. And some days you show up and you're like, I don't have it today. Today isn't the day where I've got it. But that means I can put my back into the work, which is a huge part of the comp. I may not be able to like whiz kid us today, but I can bag some compost or I can help do this. Yeah. Uh, And that's part of it, too. It's just kind of knowing where you're at. And, and navigating as best you can. So I, to answer your question, how it's impacted my relationship with the team, I think it was just another level up, right? And I think as you go through the entrepreneurial journey, there's the, all of these little tiny level up moments. Some that you're you're aware of, some that are really clear, and some that aren't. And that was like a small one where I was like, you know what? Even though at the time it was during COVID, so we're meeting in my screened in porch, you know, and it's very, very literally dining room tables, you know, at times. Um, so super informal, it brought some formality to the relationships and, and really defined them as as co-workers of business relationships and created that space that this is our company and this is how we're going to run things. And I think that's important, especially as you're getting started, because it's very confusing um, when you're we're, we're running it out of my basement and like <laughs> it was bananas.
0: Everything is very, we're just gonna figure it out. (laughs) We're gonna
1: figure it out, right? We're gonna get through it. And everything's fluid and the you know barriers between work and life and there are no there's no separation between church and state in the beginning. It's just like all happening all the time. And that was one time where I was like that that's not good. We need to as we grow, we need to continue to put practices in place to create space me but also for my employees right so that they aren't working all the time aren't burning out aren't being overwhelmed by all of the things because you know that was around the same time too that we started to create this is what you're owning this is what you're owning this is what i'm owning like let's be strategic because otherwise we're all trying to do everything and we're gonna fail spectacularly right
0: right well let me back up because i've as usual, I have like 12 thoughts in my head at once, so <laughs> nothing new there. I've been like, ah, <laughs> the podcast. Right, so Let me circle back and say, I'm, I just finished reading Build by Tony Fidel, who is one of the catalysts for um, developing the iPod, iPhone, and then he went on to co-found the Nest thermostats Oh, yeah, phenomenal book. I like highly recommend everybody pick it up because it's sh- relatively short chapters. You can read them in any particular order. But he talks through his really epic career and the mistakes he's made and what he's learned. And he has some fun chapters like um, assholes, which is like how not to be a, a bad leader, and and my other favorite one is fuck massages. <laughs> Uh, because it talks about some of the bigger corporations and, and having, you know, the ping pong tables and all these other things and the massages available for team members, but that's not what builds unity, right? It's not about the perks and, and what, and then what really is. So, but he talks about from the startup perspective of exactly what you were just saying, like you're just figuring it out. You're, at the dining room table you're in the garage you're in some crazy space and you're just making the magic happen and being okay yeah with the messy yeah
1: yeah and i, and I think um i think the other thing that is the challenge especially if this is just like the world we live in right you don't want it, it to look messy right like it's like our instagram filter you're like it's cool to have like a little bit of mess but if people really saw it in here they'd be like i don't know
0: yeah.
1: um so so keeping that balance, right? And and trying to always project out who you want to be here. in your world, but also so being real with where you are. You know, we started and we only had a hundred customers and there was one me. I was the only one doing it. I was always using the word we and because I had faith, I totally believed that there was gonna be a we, and also like I Mother Combos has always felt like more than just mine. It is it felt like an ideal to me. But you're constantly trying to be, I guess, like bigger than you are or, you know, more official than you are until you're there. And then you're like, oh, actually, that was kind of a waste of energy, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with being wherever you are. Like we tell little kids, 10 and they want to be, you're like, listen, you're going to get there. It's going to be fun. Like, don't rush it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or as you're starting out, you can exhaust yourself trying to be 10 years from where you are. And there's no like there's absolutely no reason for it. And there's I think there's a, like a little shame associated with it,, uh, which is also foolish, right? Like you you are wherever you are. You started it from wherever you started. And if you're giving it everything you got, there you should have, feel no shame.
0: Mm-hmm. but
1: we all, you know feel like we should be apple right out of the gate. and it's absurd and and we can collapse under the pressure of trying to be something we're not, even from a company perspective, right.
0: Well, and I mean, bottom line for me is like, life is just messy in general. Oh, so messy. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Particularly if you've had kids. So. Yeah. yeah. And we run a
1: composting company. So like, I mean, messy is like our deal. Yeah. But yeah, but it's, you know, everyone's, everyone's like, yeah, I'm messy behind the scenes. But like, no one really is sure about going like for real behind the scenes. And I I suffer from that, too. But I do think you waste a lot of energy early in the entrepreneurial journey, wishing you had started earlier, wishing you were somewhere you're not, wishing, trying to pretend that there's a team of 50 people behind you when really it's just you or you and one other person Um, instead of being like, damn, look what we did. And it was just me or look what we did. And it was just me and one other person. Imagine what we'll do when it's 50. Um, and the energy behind that thought is so much more powerful than, Ooh, I'm you know, I'm scared. I don't I don't want to let people know what's happening. So I'm outing all of the solo entrepreneurs, and it's fine. Let it fly yeah.
0: well, and there's I mean, part of for me is playing small. And when you're having that fear, that's the time to ask for help. So if you're staying in there, you're not asking for help exactly. And, well, and, and and I think that's like,
1: people playing small now has become negative, right? Like, y'all go small. You go big. We only go big. And you can't go big. You can't go big in the beginning, right? You have to just, like, chart your path and, and get small wins and, and build momentum. And that takes time. It takes intention. It shouldn't be rushed. Right. Just like growing up. It's a process, and you got to go through it. And... If you stop feeling bad for where you are, I think you can appreciate it more and and enjoy it a little bit because anyone who's 10 years down the road will be like, Yeah, well, I thought I wanted 50 employees, but now I'm going to manage 50 employees. And now I got this going on. And let me tell you what, like, I sort of missed the days or just mean to other people. And I was spending my time outside instead of inside doing, you know, whatever else you got to
0: step to. All the CEOing stuff. Yeah, right. So
1: you can only get ready for that moment by living in the moment that you're in.
0: Yeah, that's really powerful. I want to shift the conversation to um to logistics because your company is really more than composting, because you wouldn't be able to do what you do without having a really sophisticated plan of getting Everybody's stuff picked up and then distributed and and in a way that's efficient and profitable. So how has that evolved from you at two o'clock in the morning?
1: <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, I mean, and it's really more, we are more of a logistics company today than we are a composting company. So we are in the business of creating an infrastructure to get organic waste from homes and businesses to the farm. And that's really where we, the space we occupy today. So we call ourselves Mother Compost. We are a composting service, absolutely. But we're not currently processing compost, although that is a big part of our vision for the future. 99% logistics, right? Maybe 95, and then the other five is customer service. Mm-hmm. Uh, so initially, I was just mapping it on Google Maps. And quickly brought out of that. we used some root optimization softwares and then what happened actually in the summer of 2020, so about three years ago, a company similar to our, like further along than us in Rochester, developed their own software that interfaced with the, like a CRM function and um, optimization. And they since have sold their company and now um, one of the gentlemen runs this full time. And it's it's really set a standard across the composting industry called stop checker um but it's it's amazing so the customers can have a portal they can see how much their households redirected it does all of the back-end optimization for us now optimization softwares are never perfect because google map you know they're working with wherever the pins dropped in google maps which may not be where the bin's going to be so there's a lot that has to happen behind the scenes from our team to get that right also making sure the the truck is appropriate you know. Approaching from the correct direction, you know, always the bias to the right side, so that the trucks between our workers and traffic. Is it a busy road? Does the person need to come from a certain direction? Like all of those things are figured out behind the scenes every week. To be honest, because what also happens is people skip. So if one person on the route skips, which is great, we may have to re redo an entire section to make it make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's.
0: And I mean, you just said you had storms. So I would presume things like trees down or construction or... It would work. Yep. Random yeah. whatever.
1: I, I mean, there's a million things that happen. So we have we have like a lot of flags. And what happens is some flights can send a message directly to the customer. So like, hey, we have approached from a hundred different ways and we cannot get to your house. Here's the flag. Like we'll send them a flag. They'll be notified that we're not coming. And then we can schedule time what we'll try to do is put them on the earlier shift because our trucks leave at 6 and usually road work doesn't start around like 9 most of the time so if they're the first person on the stop then we can clear it before the road work comes into play so that's just like a tiny microcosm of what has to happen then we're also delivering bins every week for commercial and residential and then during compost returns, which is March to around May at this point we're also delivering compost back or scheduling times for customers to come pick it up from us, which we did this year because truly the rising cost of gas and, and driving and everything, we we were like, we can't deliver for free anymore um, in our area because it just cost us a lot. So, but it was great the nice thing about the pickups is we get to see everyone. So they would come, they would be like, we love you guys. What a great year, you know? So, yeah. It's kind of a fun community moment too. So you could make a little party out of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we had some music. Oh, we did then we had them just pull in and we loaded up the bags for them. But you know, some people were just like, great to see you. And you're like, it's great to be seen. after years of us all, all hiding from each other, it's it's wonderful to meet the humans behind. They like to see the people doing the work and we like to see the people doing the work in their homes. So, so it was great.
0: From a planning perspective, um, what did you have to learn to be able to really make the logistics side functional and effective?
1: That is a big question. Every compost, like to use that specific, like compost returns as an example, we really. You know, I feel like there was a time when it was such a load to to bag and do all of it that we sort of weren't proactively communicating enough with our customers. So what would happen? Because we were almost like, oh, gosh, everyone going to want a bag, uh, which was silly. You know, we made that promise to our customers. we were committed to keeping it. But then what happened is it would go on forever because the customer was like, oh, I missed your email or I didn't see that. And and now it's June and I want a bag, but we don't have any more bags on stock. So. So now we do a really good job of, of communicating in advance, like this is when it's going to be, backs are going to open. We do have everyone register now in the system, so the computer also does everything. We were doing it manually through spreadsheets. Yeah. Uh, and we've sort of figured out that back office function and then just the proactive communication. People aren't reading emails. It's not just text messages. So hit them with the text more. You know, like whatever is best for them is best for us because then... We always have a couple people who miss the deadline, but most people are then hitting the deadline. I'm also We've also realized that deadlines that are too far out, people forget. So it's be- it's almost better to hit them hard for like a two-week span to be like, you got to do it now, do it right now, than to to give people like a month because there's a portion that will do it immediately and then there's a portion that procrastinates.
0: So, yeah.
1: the don't, they don't really need a month anymore to to do something on their phone. So creating a sense of urgency actually helps. Yeah, we learned what works for us, what's reasonable. We also used to try to like race to have it all done in April. And as we grew, that became just because we didn't want to think about it anymore. But there was really no reason for us to break our back and our spirit, um rushing. So we no longer do that. We spread it out. And we, you know, tell our customers, like, if you register early, you'll get it earlier. You register late going to be on the later side and this is the range of times and you could choose your own adventure obviously if someone calls us and they really need it we can figure that out but most people and especially the way the weather was this year you didn't really want to plan anything until like memorial day up here it got cold so i think big picture what we've learned is like to a not create artificial deadlines because of some feeling you have <laughs> you know, that we want to be through something faster than, than it needs to over communicate as much as possible to our community. So mm-hmm. they have the information they need and they understand the why, um, whenever that's important. So, you know, we did a price increase two years ago, made sure that people had time, we did a video, we commute you know, just letting people know the why behind it. And we increased by $2 a month. So like not, didn't put us, too far out of reach for most of our customers but we did want to treat it like it was a ten dollar increase you know because people have the right to know what's going on so i I think those two things we've kind of learned like over communicating even if you think you've communicated enough if you've only done email then you haven't right people need to see it multiple ways to remember and fourth of july is coming up right so people need to get an email about it People will start thinking about it yesterday, right? Because they're like, oh, I'm going to be gone next week. What's happening with compost? Are they supposed to come Tuesday? So we sent them a message and then we'll follow up with a text message on Monday just being like, just a reminder. Here's what's happening for you this week if it impacts you. And then for people who aren't sure if it's impacting them, we sent them a message being like, yours normal. Don't worry about it. Everything's the same. So just kind of trying to anticipate where people can get confused and communicating as much as possible.
0: Um, yeah. It's a lot. And like, I'm one of the ones that I like the early communication and it goes to my calendar and I'm all good. Um, and I know from running events that you have that bucket and then there's that space of nothingness and then the like last 24 hours. And I presume that's a similar, yeah.
1: yeah. The day or the day of, you know, like something, something happened, but You know, and that's always going to happen, right? Like someone had the best intentions to have their container out and life happened. I have a plan for that too. So to me, I always want our service to feel like we thought about you. We were thinking about your experience, just the questions that are going to come up for you and the time that they're going to come up for you and we're addressing it so that you don't have to think of something else. We know you have a lot on your mind. And that's how we really want everyone to experience mother compost because that's i think part of what is our, our our special sauce
0: awesome if i remember correctly when you and i first talked in the pre-interview you were getting ready to go for funding is that is that true
1: yeah so i am i mean we're still in the i'm still finalizing the business plan uh, and really looking at the mix of you know, an equity raise and debt um, because we need both equipment and growth capital. But that is something we'll be embarking on probably quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter of this year. Which um, is exciting. Super exciting. Again, it's just, it's something I've never done before. So I'm, instead of putting an artificial deadline on it and and kind of psyching myself out that I have to do it by a certain time, I'm really trying to be intentional, taking the time sure I feel I have all my ducks in the row working with people who I trust to help me navigate the plan and, and the sequencing of everything. Right. So like it's not only what your plan is, but how you're going to execute it. So that's, it's, it's exciting, but it's also, it requires a lot of space to think, which sometimes I have a hard time taking. So, um, right. (laughs) Yeah. So, but the summer is a good time, you know, it is, our business, I mean, we're every week. So there's always, we're always doing things, but there's just a slower pace in the summer. So I am taking the next two months to kind of really get everything organized so that I can feel good about the execution. But yeah, that'll be coming soon.
0: Which I said is super exciting. And like, what is your, what's your long-term vision starting to look like as you're doing some thinking and Bring
1: those pieces together. Right. It's, you know, it's so funny because I've been reading a lot too and, and it, just that deep recognition of the the clarity of your vision is so important. But when you've been in this crazy, like rocket ship ride, where your co- my company has changed almost every six months over the last four and a half years, you know, it's, it's virtually unrecognizable from even where we were, a year ago and I would I would say like even last fall right like it continues to move so quickly that I've always sort of operated from a looser outline than like this is going here um you know here are our growth targets here's what we're doing and once we get there we'll figure it out so the vision part I have this big vision right of us being the provider of choice of providing residential and commercial services partnering with municipalities really want composting in our little slice of southeastern PA to be like it is in Seattle. It's just the way. There's no, you know, to work our way through the resistance. And there will always be people that don't compost. And I understand that to a certain extent. And (laughs) Yeah. yeah, it's fine. Let you live your life. But it going from this perception of something that only quote unquote environmentalists do or chew of this isn't just the way mm-hmm. that we are no longer going to throw this resource in the trash but we're going to recycle it we're going to repurpose it we're going to move towards waste management systems that are alignment with the natural world and perhaps we're going to open our eyes to how much we consume and throw away that Mother compost role in that, I hope, is to step into the void of service provider and answer um, to help develop processing ca- capacity in our region so that as composting grows, we can ensure that a high quality end product is being created because that's where recycling gets all messed up right people are like where is it actually going is it actually being recycled you know um they lose faith in the system yeah and
0: well and i I know in philly like they pick up recycling but very little of it actually gets recycled in the townships i operate in there's
1: there's a lot of pushback on on that narrative but everyone seems to believe that that's similar too and i just also think recycling is a boondoggle i mean Plastic doesn't get recycled. I know that there's like a somewhat of a demand for the one number one and number two plastics, but like by and large, plastic is it's not infinitely recyclable, right? You have to add virgin materials to recycle a plastic bottle. Oh, and by the way, it's leaching into your water. You're drinking it, which is you, yeah, it's yep. terrible for you. And aluminum is infinitely really recyclable. Infinite, you can recycle it forever just continue to use it again and again and again so everything should be if it has to be single use at least let's use a material that we don't have to continue to mine mm-hmm. um and extract from from this planet um
0: okay.
1: but anyway you know i i think the hauling is probably the simplest thing to figure out, although I don't minimize it. It is complicated. And the bigger you get, the more complicated it gets and the bigger equipment and and so on and so forth. But the processing is ultimately where creating a network of places that can take compostable, you know, nitrogen rich food waste and transform it into compost that can be used in a variety of different projects in a variety of different ways. Um is is really a part of the business that I look forward to and let's
0: to um for people who haven't listened to last week's episode let's just briefly touch on like all the ways you can use compost.
1: Yeah. Compost is a nutrient-rich soil amendment. So it can be used in your garden. It could be used to grow food. It can be used in stormwater management. It had the ability to filter out uh pollutants. Like 60 to 95% effectively. So, to take all of the chemicals that are running off the water, at, you know, when a storm comes through and really filter them out so that they're not going into our watershed, um, it improves the biological, chemical, and physical characteristics of the soil. It really introduces microorganisms back into the soil, which in turn, the soil can then support the healthy growth of plants. It can hold three times weight of uh, healthy soil and water so it can absolutely just also create a better water barrier another way to think of compost versus fertilizer is that compost feeds the soil fertilizer feeds your plant right so so it may it may take a little longer but like a time release vitamin the compost is sending those nutrients and microorganisms back into the soil to then create a healthier environment for plants those are just a couple things off the top of my head that compost does. <laughs> just a couple. <laughs> I don't brush my teeth with it, but I'm, I'm getting, it. I put that in Sean everything. So it, it really does, it, it does do a lot. It solves a lot of problems that we have with chemical inputs and fertilizers um, and just the effective recycling of our food waste. You know, if you are just tuning in, I think we touched on this last last time, but we throw 40% of the food grown in this country away every year. So that, the, the loss of that resource and the resources that go into that, specifically water and land, is outrageous.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And while I really hope food, edible food recovery programs continue to pop up and, and do the amazing work of getting that food to people who are hungry in this country, we also need to capture that resource instead of sending it to a landfill where it causes methane gas um to be emitted or to an incinerator where we light it on fire causing all kinds of air pollution and then truck the ash to the landfill right. so w- we've got to come up with a better program than um just throwing these things in the trash and and food waste is 22 percent of what we throw away so it's the largest category item that we just toss and and the i mean the money we all spend to throw our food away is crazy, crazy. it's crazy yeah it, it is. it is i try not to use that word as frequently as i did at one point in my life but this that one yeah it's bonkers i mean we
0: i i do as well because i don't like i want to be intentional about my words and yeah. for me too it's like that's When I start thinking about it, it, I'm like, what the heck? It's
1: true. It's truly insane. And and I think most of the time it's because people don't aren't aware, right? They just don't know. And when they try to start thinking about trash is such a big problem that I think most people immediately have to throw the barriers. Once They really start to let it in. They're like, oh, my gosh. I am this much chat this week. And I just looked out my window and everyone else has all this trash out and where is it going and where does this end? And I, I can't deal with it, right? Like, it's trash in the ocean. Like, ugh, I I just, I have, you know, I have to go to work today so I can't have like a meltdown over that at this moment.
0: Well, and to your earlier point of where you want to take your, your business the amount of trash, the food waste, the way of of being where everything is just disposable has become how we live. And what you're offering is a transition to a different way that when done well can be as simple, if not more simple. And it's really just creating that that line and breaking the barrier from a thought pattern.
1: Exactly. Just creating awareness around it. Yeah, I call composting the quiet revolution. Yeah. Something small we do every day. And it really I mean, I've, it's changed my life in so many ways, but just this this very simple concept, I do believe has the power to change the world. And uh I look forward I look forward to calling that in. Um I think everyone can understand this. I think composting is also the low hanging fruit. <laughs> like this is This just should be we shouldn't even really be talking like we should just be figuring out how to make this go. This is is even a hard one from my perspective. That's just this is just logical. Right. Um, So, yeah. So part of the vision is really stepping into the processing side because that's where. Rightfully so, you know, townships and, and municipalities get a little nervous because is there a limit on the capacity? And if they go, if they bring this to their community, can they? Ensure that year over year over year, this facility or the facilities locally can accept materials safely and turn them in and and all of that. And um, you know, I think that's a that's a big piece of the puzzle. And in our vision would be there's going to be you're going to need big scale solutions. You're going to need small solutions, right? But having a strong, connected all site network where things aren't being trucked all over the place to be transformed would make more sense so mm-hmm. like i was on a call with um students from lehigh valley yesterday i lost sense of time it might have been two days ago but they were talking about uh, lehigh valley is sending their trash to plymouth meeting concha to be incinerated
0: you know going yeah. on which, for people who are not in Pennsylvania, is, like, well over an hour. Well
1: over an hour, depending on the time of day, could be even worse. Um, and going from Lehigh Valley is a, a very, you know, rural, you, you would consider a strong agricultural hub within the state of Pennsylvania. And it's sending it to Conjahokan, which is technically, I believe, part of the city of Philadelphia still, um, mm-hmm. or the first town outside. Yeah. Which is incredibly densely populated. So, like, if a quarter to a third of that could be composted, it would dramatically reduce the amount that has to be. And you would imagine there would be a site closer, right? perhaps a farm, um, where that stuff could be repurposed and then
0: used in the Lehigh Valley. Right. Well, there's there's farms there, and I'm sure somebody is composting.
1: Someone's somewhere. So, it's just... You know, I think we've gotten used to trash going away, right? We're away. And then, you know, there is no way. It's not going anywhere. What has been created cannot actually be destroyed. We're just lighting it on fire and turning it into ash, which then gets buried in the ground, or we're going direct to burying it in the ground. Those are the options. Nothing ever actually leaves. Right. Uh, which, again, I think is an overwhelming concept for people when they think about how many bags of trash they put out.
0: It is. I mean I had those moments where it's like I think about all of the things that are happening and it's paralyzing and what you're offering is that one step that people can do easily without it taking a lot of time thought and planning.
1: And it creates it stimulates the local economy, right? Like we have nine jobs where there weren't were none. So strong resilient local communities and economies are also an answer to some of the problems that we have and um that's something that i'm coming to as i go on this journey right but it is clear to me that investing in the towns where you live and the businesses operating in them is the best way for everyone to succeed. so but yeah green job you know they're a lot. Of, well, what's going to happen? You're like, there's, there's going to be more jobs created as these industries come online. Um, don't even know what the jobs of the future are yet.
0: I'm really excited. Yeah, I know. That's, that's the thing about composting. It's full of hope. It is because it solves so many problems easily. So Gwen, thank you so much for coming back on. I, I can't even express how much I value your wisdom and your time. Would you share with everybody um, where they can get connected with you again?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So you can follow us on Instagram, uh, TikTok and Facebook, Mother Compost. And uh, mothercompost.com is our website. So if you want to see more about our service and how we operate, awesome. We have some fun videos on Instagram we love to do. Uh, We just started TikTok, so we're still figuring, still talking about it. Um, But (laughs) Instagram, we love to do videos um, that are educational, inspiring. We want people to stay motivated. There's a lot of heavy, heavy things going on, especially in the climate and environmental space, and that that's real. Um, but we don't want people to feel paralyzed by it and to just be able to look at, well, that's, that's interesting. And um, also just to see how amazing the natural world is. I've been saying this a lot lately, but I believe that the solutions to a lot of our problems are not going to come from in our head. They're going to come from looking outside and observing the amazing systems that have already been created by our living planet. We've only been here for, you know, a small piece of time, and I think our our arrogance is a little startling. Um, I bet you there's a solution or something we could adapt that already exists in nature for almost all of our problems. I agree. And I okay. think it's more about getting in tune with what's going on around us instead of assuming we we have all the answers. And I think that will also free us, right? We don't we don't need to figure it out. We just need to listen better.
0: Yeah, and there's something really regenerative, restorative, peaceful in being in nature that then for me at least creates that expansion to have new different interesting thoughts so that almost symbiosis of being with trees and plants and and birds farther away um but
1: no (laughs) absolutely and i mean there's there's so much research coming out about how you know i think we 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 really hold ourselves separate from nature we're just one species living on planet with eight million others and Acknowledging that in a more real way um, and aligning ourselves more as as part of the natural world, um, it's not about saving the environment. We're we're trying to save ourselves. Yeah, the environment will be fine. I mean, yeah. unfortunately, we'll take a lot of species with us if we continue down this path. But the planet will survive. The humans who who have some work to do. Sorry, and I wanted to end on a positive note. <laughs> Sorry,
0: Amy. Don't apologize. I, I mean, for me, it's, I think we need to be real about it. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Like that tension, there, right? Yeah. Regardless of what your belief system is, we're doing harm to ourselves. And why do we want to continue doing that? And when we start looking at how everything else interacts with each other and we are holding ourselves separate, then. It doesn't work. So right. why and, not include it in the thought process and think that we can actually like stop thinking that we can control everything? You would see just health and wellness improve, mental clarity, the anxiety that and overwhelm and burnout that everybody talks about disappear.
1: And you know maybe the connection we're looking for is not on Insta. You know it's not it's not out it. It's not in these screens and these devices that we've created. It, it's literally out in the world being connected with, with everything that's around us and, and recognizing our smallness. And instead of being scared of it, saying, wow, that's so freeing. The world doesn't resolve, revolve around me. I am not holding up the universe. I am one speck of dust on this adventure. And isn't that somewhat freeing?
0: Yeah, and and as that speck of dust, you have the opportunity to touch all these other specks. Yeah, and create glitter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, A little sparkle.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I I think I think especially women who we do feel like we're holding up, you know, the sky. Yeah. Is there's a freedom and like actually we don't, and it's great. Like God. Thank God that there's all of these things happening around us all the time that actually keep. I know. Yeah. Um,
0: awesome. Well, again, thank you because you and I yeah. can keep for another three hours. I know-
1: <laughs> I'll just be your only guest for the for the rest of
0: Women Who Build Empires yes absolutely absolutely but thank you I really since I said I really value your time and your openness to coming back Thank, thank you for doing it. that it's my hope that you find at least one nugget of value in each episode of Women Who Build Empires and if that's true please follow and share Women Who Build Empires with your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcast your support is what will help this podcast be found by more women just like you.